When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. The pitch. Swing and a high fly. Right center field. It's deep. And it is gone. Trevor Plouffe with his second career walk-off home run. It's a three-run shot over the out-of-town scoreboard. It's his first homer as a Philly. And Trevor Plouffe has a game winner in the bottom of the 16th inning. Here at 1.14 in the morning. <laughs> wow. There were at least, I saw the replay. I didn't see it live, obviously. I saw the replay. Uh, there were at least three, 400 people left when he hit it, I think. And I know... Uh, you know, I always wonder, who are those people? That stay? Yeah. Not that I'm ripping them by they, any means, they, but do you do you have to... They go to so they can say, we stayed. Okay. We yeah. stayed. And they got they don't work today. You know, they don't have to go to work today. Either that or they're fine with getting four hours of sleep. Yes, and that's work true. The next day. And, you know, I was uh, I was happy to see it for Ploofy. He just got called up. Uh, he's only played in six games for him. In fact... What you got called up a couple of weeks ago, and I ran into Terry Ryan, who's scouting for the Phillies now. And I mm-hmm. said, "So uh, what's it, what do you, you know?" Because he was only hitting two forty in AAA at Lehigh Valley, and he said, uh, "He said, well, we need a veteran pinch hitter, which you use in the National League. Pinch hitters hit." He said they had they had a couple of young guys doing it, and they were not uh, they were not handling the situation. So they thought uh, Ploofy would be good. Now uh, Trevor Ploof. After he uh, left the Twins, he uh, he was uh, you know signed by the A's for the uh, 2017 season. Traded uh, June 17th of that year, he was traded from the A's to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays for a player to be named, and he was granted free agency again in 2017. Signed as a free agent uh, by the Rangers, but it was not a major league deal. Uh, and uh, he was, you know, then he was added to the roster. But he started the season with the uh, Rangers, was only there a few games. He got released on April 10th. And he was out of the game for 13 days, didn't have a job. And then the Phillies signed him. wonder what the poor guy did with his time. April 23rd. He was, uh, you know, out, uh, out of the big leagues, for out of baseball for 13 days. And uh, the the Phillies signed him, but he stayed. He's as I said, he stayed in Lehigh Valley for sixty games. So he was. Uh, I don't think it was a situation where they had to call him up. He didn't have a lot of options. Now I will say, I was. It, it was what made Trevor Plouffe 
Well, an effective player for a couple, three years for the Twins was when he started hitting the ball the other way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that home run last night, there was a three-run Right center. Over right center. Yeah. Hit it. Just hit I mean, you knew it was gone. Boy, does a ball carry in that ballpark. Yeah. Ooh, a lot mm-hmm. of home runs available in there. But I was more impressed... Until I found out it was Kiki Hernandez that was pitching to him. Oh, really? It was a, uh, it was a an position in, player. An infielder. They ran out of pitchers and uh, they ran out of, of pitchers and had the infielder in there. And he only got one out and then Ploofy hit the home run. And even though the Dodgers lost, I think everybody was happy for it to end at 110. Just you know? let this thing end. <laughs> Is this, uh, you know, we're going to end up with the guy at second? We're going to end up with the guy at second. Not Next year, not the four years, three, four years, four years, they'll they'll end up putting the guy at second. And they, the Phillies, I'm talking now, they won again today. I didn't realize this until we looked this morning. The Nationals are seven and a half games out of first place. Oh, yeah. They won a game today, but they're, uh, they're, they're 500. Are they going to sell? They're 500. They're one game under 500. Wow. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. They, they're holding on to Bryce Harper, but why? You know, he's a free agent, right? And they, if you're not going to sign him, what are you keeping him for? Well, but they'll be able to offer him the qualifying because he's oh, going to sure. get a mega yeah, contract. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's true. More than they'd probably get for him. Yeah, they'll, they'll, yeah somebody, will, somebody will give you a draft choice for Bryce Hart. Probably. <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, – I think David Martinez is uh, – He's in over his head. I th- You know what we found? Everybody, when he was doing well as Madden's guy in Tampa and other places – you're always saying, "Why don't he get a job?" I think we now know because he's a good bench coach. It must be—he might be a knothead. Too. But, Who knows? But they can't—they're not going to fire him, though, are they? He just is, oh, they're going to play it out this because, year. I mean, they—they they, they can't. They, but they can't keep changing I managers know. every other I year. They, they've been—they've been changing guys well, so much Dusty, over the last Dusty seven was eight there years. Three years, wasn't there? Yeah, but Matt Williams was what two years? Yeah, he was a knothead. He should have gotten fired when he took uh, Zimmerman out of the game. He should have gotten fired when he walked back from the dugout. Walked back to the dugout. They should have called him and said, what the hell are you doing? But you know who that team needs? Because you've got a lot of really big personalities on that on that ball club and in that clubhouse. They need a... You know, like a Joe Torre or a, they need a veteran guy that's had some success. Ozzie Gannon. No. Can you imagine, can you imagine oh, Ozzie Gannon in that it. clubhouse? Ozzie will put a little life in him. <laughs> Why is everybody afraid of Ozzie? Well, because he, I, I, he I might uh, insult well, another country. Uh, you, know? you know, Cubans in Miami. Where else? <laughs> where else could you? Yeah. You know, it was it, it was bad luck. Why is that he so decided to rip Cubans in Miami? It was, I mean, to praise Castro in Miami. You know what was bad? Any other any other city praises Castro. You know what was cares? bad for image? It was bad for the image. <laughs> I loved him. He was the all timer man. I tell you what, though, he could swear too. Oh yes, yeah, he, could. he had the bad mouth. Nah. He yeah, hated Jay Mariotti too, so he's got a, he had that going for him. Joe West too was uh, <laughs> he had a nice little rivalry with Joe mm-hmm. West, I think mm-hmm. too. You know, Plofi, 2015, 22 home runs and 86 RBIs. That was a pretty good year. I I voted for him as the Twins MVP over Miguel. Miguel you did. ended up winning it. Yeah. You I, know that I, led to one of my favorite Miguel quotes ever when in the spring training when we found out Miguel was going to play right field and he said, Miguel, I'm talking said. Oh, they told me I could play third base next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Miguel, I don't think you should be uttering that, but publicly. But uh, well, I can't wait to see him. And uh, if Dozier gets traded, I would guess we'll see him. Right? Yeah. If Dozier gets traded. He'll probably come get up called and play up. Third, and we'll see if he actually has lost twenty pounds or so, or if it's the same old Miguel who can't tuck his shirt in. We, you can always tell what a fat guy whether his shirt stays in or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. If he's playing with the shirt out, then he hasn't lost anyone. Yeah, but as a guy that's baseball jersey has a hard time staying yes. tucked oh, in, too, I'm not going to make fun of him no, for that. No, no, but that's the, that's the sign. You remember Madden's great bit on, uh, on Madden talking about that? Uh, with a lineman? No. Oh. He would say, always oh, yeah. ah, there's see, he's a big guy there. He can't get his shirt, can't you know, get shirt Can't get in. the shirt tucked in. Keeps coming out. Anyway, Trevor Plouffe. Yes. Welcome back. Sports person of the day. Matthew Collar doing double duty this week. Are you, are you still got the morning show the rest of the week, sir? Uh, just tomorrow, okay. and Phil is back on Friday. All right. Well, Matthew's been doing four hours in the morning. Now he's out at Winter Park today where the Vikings, what did we do today? Did we have, do we have one walkthrough and then a practice? How's it work? Uh, it was the TCO Performance Center, Patrick, for one. Oh, did I say um, Winter Park? You, yes, you did. I've been I, trying to stop myself from saying it too. Yes, uh, I'm going to um, start saying in Egan. That that'd be good for me. I think I'll be able to remember that out there in Egan. Yes. Well, all yeah, all of the Egan everyman uh, potentials <laughs> were uh, they were they were out there for a walkthrough this morning, and then I guess I would call it a glorified walkthrough. I mean, basically some seven on sevens and run through some things. I mean, it, things really don't get going until all the veterans get in and then they get their pads on. So even though we're releasing all of our big stories, camp starting and everything else, <laughs> and, and I'm doing that too, it's like you go out there and stand there today and it's them just slowly going through the different routes and stuff like that and a couple of concepts. And Kirk Cousins is out there. He reported early to get going with some of these rookies. So he was out there throwing balls around and, I mean, you really can't take a whole lot away from this type of day. So is rookie camp much like baseball pitchers and catchers? The position players can report if they want to. Is that how that works? If, you want, if you're want, if you a veteran and you want to report early, you can? Yeah, you can, but usually it's only quarterbacks who do mm-hmm. it. I mean, I think Tom Brady has always done it, and that ends up in every article about Tom Brady. and How dedicated he is. Kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I think a lot of the quarterbacks do, but there are no other veterans except for guys that are hurt. So, like, Delvin Cook is returning from his ACL injury. He was out there today with no leg brace, which I think is a pretty good sign for them. And uh, Pat Elfline was put on the physically unable to perform list, but the expectation is that he's not going to be there for very long. He's got uh, the ankle injuries coming back from that he had surgery, and then I guess there's a shoulder injury too, but... Uh, he's not expected to be on the pop list for that long. I thought I read Cook had a knee brace. He did not. He does not have a knee brace. I didn't see the knee brace okay. today. Now, okay. Now you're making me question, but I don't think he did. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Elfline, uh, uh, he was a little banged up at the end of the year, though, beyond what we were told then, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's not really a surprise that somebody who went through what he did last year, I mean, considering – you go from college to the NFL, 
He played, uh, by pro football focus's ratings, he played 11 of the top 20 defensive tackles in the league. Wow. And then went up, yeah, then he went up against New Orleans as a great defensive line and the Eagles, who had probably the number one defensive line in the entire NFL in the playoffs. So, I mean, that guy, had a, for, for what he had to go up against, I thought he had an incredibly good rookie season. And if they want to slow play it here, he's somebody that caught on with the mental aspect of it really quickly last year. So I wouldn't be too concerned with that and he'll have plenty of time here at training camp when he gets back uh, to get on the same page with Kirk Cousins. Any indication of who's coaching the offensive lineman uh, as far yeah. as on the field the, the tight end coach helping him out with that now? Or? It was it was the tight end coach and the assistant offensive line coach for today and they, they wouldn't say really this morning when Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman talked about what the plan is but I mean I would guess they go outside and find somebody else to come in i mean uh i think that the assistant is probably a little on the inexperienced side and the tight end coach is the tight end coach even though he's got previous experience as an offensive line coach in other areas uh, i think they'd probably like to bring somebody else in but uh, that is kind of a, a it's not until you uh, you know until tony's uh, service on friday which everybody is focused on they're not going to get into that kind of stuff so I just was wondering if on the field you could see who was uh, kind of a running that, uh, you know, running that, uh, trying to give them a few hints anyway here and there. It's- yeah, I think in the in the tight end coach and assistant coach, uh, assistant offensive line coach, I mean, they, you know, they've been there uh, for the last two years at least. So they, they kind of know what they're teaching those guys. But, you know, for somebody like Brian O'Neill, I mean, what an odd situation for him. He comes in here and, you know, he's learning from Tony Sperano, and we talked to him today, and it it just has to be so shocking for him to start taking on Sperano as his coach and then all of a sudden have to pivot to somebody else just like this and kind of deal with this uh, tragedy where he was you know, starting to learn from him and getting close with Sperano, and he's a guy that really needs a lot of development too and a lot of coaching, and so now he's he's got to just have this sort of shock to the system. I, I think it's probably tough for everybody, but I imagine – if you're a rookie, that's really stunning for you. You know what's interesting to me? Uh, the defensive linemen were all worried about getting the defensive linemen more, you know, more back up, uh, not, not making them play 80%, 90% of the plays. The poor offensive linemen, though. They're stuck. If they're any good, they're stuck playing every play. When, when, when do any teams like alternate the offensive line or no? To those poor guys, they you know they get beat up just as bad as the uh, defensive lineman. But we don't talk. Oh, we need that right guard to only play seventy percent of the plays. I, I don't think it's fair. So here's the difference: there are way more good defensive linemen than there are offensive. Linemen. Yeah, that's... that is the truth. I think that uh, everybody who had a big child said, you know, if you play on the defensive side, you get less beat up and you get more money. Yes. So I think I think that that's a major part of it. That uh, you know, and the, the rotation thing. You know, the, 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 uh, where I was surprised is that they didn't sign anybody. I mean, there were a number of guys who were kind of situational pass rushers out on the free agent market, and they didn't bring anybody in. So we're looking at Brian Robinson comes back, and you have you know, Tashawn Bauer, who was our Mr. Mankato last year, Stephen Weatherly, who they drafted a few years ago, and maybe they will see some reps for Anthony Barr at defensive end. But other than that, they didn't bring in somebody like the Eagles did last year with with a few players, and then they brought in Michael Bennett this year after they lost a couple guys. But you know, the Eagles drafted a defensive end in the first round and brought in Chris Long, even though they already 
had guys on the defensive line. So the Vikings, I thought, might copy that, and they really didn't. I'm worried about my guy Brandon Zilster. He gives up a very good career in the Canadian Football League. Uh, he was one of the best receivers up there. Came out of nowhere. Uh, Concordia Cobbers, uh, the pride of the Concordia Cobbers up in Moorhead. Is there any way he makes the team? There is a way he makes the team, yeah. I mean, when you look at the wide receiver battle, there's an open spot there that I think is up for grabs and maybe even two, depending on how Kendall Wright mixes in. And when I look at the Kendall Wright signing, I kind of scratch my head that he signed for $1 million with 300000 guaranteed. That doesn't sound like we're very committed to you as part of this wide receiving core. And he was practicing with the second team a lot in minicamp. So it will be interesting to see where he practices. And Zilstra made an impression at minicamp and will have an opportunity here along with a couple other guys. Uh, Corey Robertson is an undrafted free agent they paid a lot of money to. Uh, Jake Winicky is the kid from South Dakota State that was an All-American a bunch of times. So there's going to be a, a really good competition. Jeff Baddett is another guy who ran a 4-2-7. So he's that what? guy. There's always one, yeah, there's always one guy. Troy Williamson. One guy at camp. Troy Williamson lives. 4-2-7? <laughs> Can he catch a ball yep. or do they hit him in a helmet? <laughs> uh, when, when he caught it, he played for Kentucky yeah. and then Oklahoma in college. When he caught it, he averaged 17 yards a catch wow. in college. So. So yeah, who's I mean, set? Just, just three of them set then? Uh, the You know, Diggs, Thielen, and uh, Treadwell, who they won't give up on? Yeah, and, I mean, Stacey Coley has probably yeah. got a job, but, you know, that's not a sure thing. He didn't have a single catch last year. He made the team out of camp, but his job could be up for grabs. And that's what I mean, that when you look up and down here past those three, I think there are opportunities for someone like Brandon Zilstra to come up and win a spot. But there's uh, plenty of competition out there, the way it sounds like they got four or five guys trying to get one job, huh? Yeah, exactly. And, and Zilstra, where the advantage he has is that he's 25 years old, he's played professional football before, and he's proven that he can catch the ball. I mean, Oh, yeah, he's got one, great hands. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one thing that stood out to me is that if you throw it anywhere near him, plus he's tall and he's got long arms, that he's going to bring it in. And somebody like that... You know, I mean, even if he's not the fastest guy who's out on the field like Jeff Baddett is, um, if you if you can catch the ball, then you've got a chance with that spot up for grab. Why didn't they do more in the tight end area? You know, that surprised me, too. That You know, they drafted Tyler Conklin yes. in the fifth round, and he has good hands also. He's not a Bucky Hodges. He's also a great <laughs> kid, too. Yeah. We, we got a chance to talk with him, and that's where he'd separate himself from Bucky Hodges. I think he's a pretty bright kid. Um, but I expected them to sign somebody, and they tried to with Trey Burton, but he ended up with the Chicago Bears. And after they tried to sign Trey Burton, my thought was, okay, in the draft, third round maybe or second round maybe, they'll be going for one of these big athletic tight ends, and they didn't do that. So it's Kyle Rudolph, and then after Rudolph, David Morgan is a lock. He's a tremendous blocker, caught a few passes. Then it's Blake Bell versus Tyler Conklin, and that doesn't really get you excited because neither one of those guys is like this freak athlete, deep threat that everybody wants for the tight end. I mean, they have a, a lot of weapons, so there's no complaints about what, what they have around them, especially if Delvin Cook is back. I did think that was one area they could improve, that they weren't really able to do that unless Tyler Conklin 
comes out and surprises everybody. Matthew, was it a year ago at this time that Viking fans were convinced that Kyle Rudolph had to move over to make room for Bucky Hodges, or was that uh, was that two years ago? I can't remember. The, 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 it was last year, and the best part was, <laughs> was Bucky? Bucky Hodges. They they gave him number eighty four. Yes, and he did the classic interview about wearing number eighty four and carrying on the legacy. That was his thing. He's like, I'm gonna. I'm going to carry on the legacy of this great number from Randy Moss. <laughs> and then, you know, he made the team and got cut one day later for Blake Bell. Uh, yes, and uh, I wonder I wonder what he's doing. Wasn't he like a converted oaf of a quarterback or something? I, I thought he was. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I think he was. And he signed with, I believe, this offseason, the Jets, pre- or, well, the, the Jets roster, but he might have a chance to make the practice squad there. He was on, I think, Carolina's practice squad. Um, my guess is that we don't end up hearing a whole lot else about it. Uh, so, uh, do they, beyond Slaughter, uh, who else, uh, what other young quarterbacks do they got around there? Did they bring in anybody, camp quarterback? There's one other guy named Peter Pujols, but I don't think he has much of a chance. No, no, I just wondered who. I'm always looking for that guy who comes in in the fourth quarter and completes three passes, and the fans become convinced we got to make room for him, you know? That is the guy, Peter Pujols, and I would appreciate no follow-up questions about it. Well, we uh, we yesterday came up with the we're going to uh, give Kyle Slaughter the McLeod Bethel Thompson Award from this year's uh, <laughs> camp. The uh, McLeod, we had to make room for him, and it didn't quite work out that way. All righty, sir. Well, have a good uh, last four hours marathon tomorrow with the great Judley, and uh, we will uh, talk to you again. All right, thanks, Patrick. All right, uh, Matthew Collar. Uh, does really good work on the Vikings on 1500ESPN.com. You guys, you folks know I'm not a BSer. He really does good, uh, do good stuff and check it out. Here's Johnny Height with a sports update. This update is sponsored by Shell. Get triple action protection for optimal engine performance with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. <laughs> Twins Toronto. That's a quick one, huh, Chris? Yeah, you finished early. Twins Toronto playing up in. Uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Twins Toronto playing up in Toronto. Twins going. I think we should make this the all cheap shot against John uh, segment, let don't him, you? Let him finish this. Let him finish. Right. Four to three in the middle of the seventh. Twins have the lead on a Mitch Garver home run. Uh, Joe Maurer with an RBI double for the Twins. Irv Santana had his first start of the season. He went five innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs, and struck out five. So, again, four to three Twins, middle of the seventh. Maurer got robbed, by the way. Did you yes, see that? he did. He crushed one to the wall, and a guy made a great play on it. A lot of other games today. Tampa Bay beat the Yankees 3-2. to Mets over the Padres 6-4. to Reds over the Cardinals 7-3. to uh, Philly keeps on winning. They beat the Dodgers again 7-3. to Cleveland stops Pittsburgh win streak at 11. Uh, 4-0 to shutout there. Nats beat the Brewers 7-3. Detroit an 8-4 to winner over the Royals. And the Cubs edged Arizona 2-1. to One other game besides the Twins in action right now. Seattle and the Giants are tied 2-2 to there in the eighth inning. The Wild have agreed to a deal with Jason Zucker, five years, $27.5 million. The 26-year-old recorded 64 points for the Wild in 82 games last season. A Viking note, uh, they have announced that starting center Pat Elfline will begin training camp on the physically unable to perform list. 
Elfline has spent the offseason rehabbing an ankle injury that he suffered in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. He underwent surgery in January. Vikings 2017 third-round pick started 14 games in his rookie season. One other NFL note, Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones will not bend on his edict that his players will stand for the national anthem before games, but he says he wishes President Donald Trump would not bring the controversy up as often as he does. He said his interest in what we're doing is problematic for my chair, and I would say in general the owner's chair. It's unprecedented if you really think about it, but like the very game itself, that's the way it is and we'll deal with it. When the anthem issue reached a fervor last season, Jones spoke with the president on multiple occasions. The president has raised the issue multiple times this offseason and even recently said players should be suspended if they choose to take a knee. At the spring owners meeting, the NFL announced a new policy that would require players to stand for the anthem. If the players do not want to be on the sideline, they could remain in the locker room. In the past, the policy stated players should stand, but it was not required. Last week, a league and NFL Players Association issued a joint statement said no new rules relating to the anthem will be issued or enforced for the next several weeks, while both sides continue to hold discussions to try and figure out how to move forward. A baseball note, Mets outfielder Jonas Cespedes will miss the rest of the season. He's going to undergo surgery on both heels. I believe his first name is pronounced Ioannis. Yeah, close enough. Cespedes is expected to miss 8 to 10 months after surgery, he was placed on the disabled list with calcification in both heels after an MRI and examination by a foot specialist. The 32-year-old had just returned from the disabled list last Friday after being sidelined for more than two months due to a strained right hip flexor. He had a home run in that game, a win against the Yankees, but after the game admitted he had issues with the heels for the better part of the last decade. Since signing a four-year, $110 million deal after the 2016 season, he's played a total of 119 games. He's owed about $59 million over the next two seasons. That is the American dream, is it not, John Height? <laughs> Sign a big contract and sit down. Uh, you're skeptical, aren't you? You think he's faking it. I, not that he's faking it, but he doesn't seem all that interested in trying to bust it to get back out there. And I don't blame him. The Mets are terrible. Uh, the Lynx picked up another All-Star today when forward Rebecca Brunson was added to Saturday's game at the Target Center by WNBA President Lisa Borders. She's an injury replacement for L.A. star Nika Ogumike. I, don't, I think I got that wrong, and there's no Manny here to yeah, tell Manny's me. Yeah, here to help us correct that. Uh, Nika is sick, by the way. That means the Lynx now have four players in the All-Star game. Maya Moore, Simone Augustus, Sylvia Fowles, and Brunson. Brunson making her fifth All-Star game appearance, her fourth that's a Lynx player. Yeah, that's what I got. Is that the international signal for you? No, thank you, Manny. Thank you, Manny. Aromake. All right, that'll be uh, that'll be enough out of you. Uh, Roycey is going to be back with Tim Kirkshin. Do not touch that radio dial. Part of the murderer's row of ball talk. It's baseball. Play ball. Here's ESPN senior scribe and storyteller Tim Kirkjian on the ride with Royce. Tim Kirkjian, ESPN and ESPN.com. Hall of Fame this weekend. Two members of the 84 Tigers going in. Shortstop Alan Trammell and our guy, St. Paul's own Jack Morris. Uh, that I, I think maybe we forget what a great ball club that was. Thirty-five and five. You've been with teams that started worse than thirty-five and five, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I remember that team really, really well. They they led, of course, wire to wire that year. There was no doubt 
that they were going to win the World Series that year, which you never know in baseball no. these days. And I remember a sports writer <laughs> from Minneapolis named Pat Royce, who led one of those World Series games. His lead was, whatever it was, there have been 215 World Series games played, period. This one was the worst. <laughs> it was like when the Tigers just pounded pounded the Padres in a really bad game, but the Tigers were so good they made the other team look bad that year, and it just come firing out of the gates that the way that they did was sparky in control. <laughs> that team was a sight to behold. Well, I was I was just writing a little piece about them uh, for uh, our, our Jack Moore section, and I remember one night, you know, back in 84, if you wanted to follow a baseball team, you had to have a clear channel <laughs> AM signal. And WJR in Detroit had one of those with the great Ernie Harwell. And the night that Jack uh, pitched a complete game and beat Anaheim to beat them, uh, to get them to 35 and 5, Ernie said, What a ball club. <laughs> He was the greatest, and of course, uh, Baltimore had Ernie before he went to Detroit. So, right, and here's how great Ernie was. A little off the topic, when yes. Tiger Stadium closed, I said to Ernie, "What are you going to take from the stadium as um, you know, just something to remember it by?" So, without hesitation, he said, "I'm going to take the urinal." from the visiting clubhouse. I said, what? He goes, yes, it's very personal, and every great player in the history of the American League used it. I'm going to get it all cleaned up and use it as a planter for my wife. And that's exactly what he did. Unbelievable. That's awfully personal. It's awfully Ernie. Yeah, well, uh, you know what? Two amazing things. Ernie remembered everybody's name everybody's name in baseball and he treated you and he greeted you all like his best friend but the other thing was when he used to say a nice catch down there by the uh, lady from Farmingham and they'd all and the tiger fans believed him so much they couldn't figure out how he knew where these fans were from you know <laughs> the foul balls you know he was the greatest he was a beauty, and he was a part of that 84 Tiger team. Oh, yeah. I mean, with famous broadcaster, famous players, famous run, uh, famous team, no doubt. Yeah, they were uh, they were really good. And, of course, they had uh, all everybody's favorite man. Well, second favorite for me. I liked Earl better but <laughs> just because he was more colorful. But you couldn't beat Sparky either. Uh, it's nice to uh, see those two guys going in. How about Whitaker? Is he well, uh, marginal? He's second baseman back when the second baseman didn't put up big numbers. Right. The stack guys love Lou Whitaker. And Lou Whitaker is one of those guys that got knocked off the ballot after one year, like really? Bobby Rich did, people like that. And this is why committees are formed now, Pat. And I've been on three of those committees over the years to make sure that the baseball writers you know, covered every base when they voted for people. And it's more and more important now because there are so many guys on the ballot, at least in my opinion, who are worthy of the Hall of Fame. You can't vote for all of them. No. So some guys get lost, and I think Lou Whitaker got lost among second basemen at that time, and it's really unfortunate that that guy spent one year on the ballot and then he was gone. He was better than that. He deserves yeah. a longer look, and someday – 
sooner rather than later, he's going to get another look for the Hall of Fame. Uh, well, we just had one of those cases here for Minnesota, Johan Santana getting, uh, you know, not, I'm not saying Johan's a Hall of Famer, but he shouldn't get knocked off of the first year. You should look at him for a while, you know. that was. Uh, I, I totally agree, Pat. You look at Santana's best six years together, it's pretty darn good. It's Hall of Fame caliber for six years. Now, is six years long enough? Frankly, I don't think so, but is... You know, whatever number of votes he got, whatever minuscule percentage good enough, that's not good enough either. We need to take another look at that guy. And, again, that's why those committees are put together so guys can get a second chance at this. Tim, uh, trading deadline approaching. I'm guessing we're going to have a world record number of waiver deals in August this year because uh, it is such a buyer's market that the teams that are trying to move people are going to kind of, I can't take that. And then uh, when they get to August, they'll end up taking what they can get. I, I, I just feel, I can't remember when it's been so much of a buyer's market. Yeah, it's it's amazing what's going on right now, Pat. And I check on this stuff every day, and I have executives telling me every day, we've never heard this kind of, this much conversation going on because there's so many teams out there that need help, and there are a few teams that are willing to give some players away. But nobody, Pat, as you know, has given anybody away today. The Orioles waited and waited and waited, and they ended up getting eight players for Manny Machado and Zach Britton, and that's precisely what they had to do. They need eight more for <laughs> the rest of those guys in order to start to make a dent in a very barren farm system. Our GMs are just not going to move until they get what they want. If they don't get it, they'll wait till August and see if they can get somebody through waivers. Hey, uh, Britton, uh, how good is he right now after all the injuries? Well, Buckshaw Waller told me about a week ago, he put his fingers about an inch, half an inch apart and said he's this close, Britain, to being the Zach Britton of old. That is, he's back from the Achilles. He's starting to throw that incredible darting sinker that no one can even see, let alone hit. And he is really close to being a great reliever again. So it was another case pass where the Yankees looked around and said there is no starting pitcher out there. Yeah that can really, really help us. So what? who is the difference maker? The difference maker is Zach Britton. And they kept him away from the Red Sox, who need him badly for the eighth inning. And they kept him away from the Astros, who need him badly for the ninth inning. So the Yankees built, rebuilt the greatest bullpen I've ever seen. Yes. Just got better. I was going to say. Kept, and they kept Britton away from their two biggest competitors, in the American League. He's uh, pulled this off two years in a row, Cashman, man. The last year at the deadline, he loaded up on the bullpen. Uh, the heck with the rest of it. Right, and it's the way to go, Pat. Whether you like it or not, this is how the game works today, and this is why we have position players pitching like every day now because we're using our relievers so much, and we're telling our starters, just give us five and a third and you can go. And that's why we've got overworked bullpens and tired pitchers, and that's why non-pitchers are pitching. But that's why you load up on your pen because you know you're going to need them a lot August, September, and October. Boy, if you had a starting pitcher to give away, you could get something. The Cubs desperately need one. The Yankees could could have used one. But, uh, you know, the, I don't think the Cubs can do it with what they got to start for starters right now, do you? No, I saw the Cubs on Monday night from the booth, Pat, and I'm telling you, they're one 
good starter short of being able to be the best team in the National League. And that doesn't mean they can be the best team in baseball, but they just don't know where you Darvish is and when he's going to be back and what he's going to be like when he gets back. And with Chatwood being so erratic, and they had to start Luke Farrell the other night, third major league start, that they're in some trouble in their rotation. And yet, they catch it so well, they pitch pretty well out of the bullpen, and they lead the league and run scored. They think they can, you know, just barrel their way through. But I think they need another starting pitcher. But like every other team, they're not seeing that real, real quality difference maker. Oh, the Twins got a bunch of starters if you want them. I, I would think you could even have Gibby if you wanted him, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I got a hunch these guys aren't – everybody's expecting a lot of stuff to do up here, and, and they're obviously trying to move Dozier. But, uh, again, I think if they do stuff, it'll probably be in August. Yeah, and then, again, the question is, is Jake Odorizzi or Lance Lynn or – or Kyle Gibson, are those difference makers? Or are they just third starters on pretty good teams? I mean, most teams are saying, I need a guy to start game two of the playoffs. And I'm not sure if the Twins have that guy. I'm not sure anybody has that guy other than the Mets. And I just don't see them moving Syndergaard or DeGrom. Oakland is the goofiest baseball town in America. Uh, generally speaking, they don't care. But when they get on the bandwagon, man, they will come piling out. 56,000 the other night, including filling up Mount Davis up there on the top, the worst seat in the history of baseball. Right. Well, Pat, I've always said of those Oakland fans, there aren't that many of them, but they have the most loyal, small fan base I've ever seen. And I mean that as a compliment. Those people that come every night and sit in the cold and watch that team in a substandard stadium, you've got to hand to those people for their loyalty to the club. But now the club is pretty darn good, Pat. I'm not sure how they have pitched well enough to get 15 games over 500. Lord knows they pitch well out of the pen, and man, can they hit. Don't forget, when they left Oak, when they left Boston earlier this year, Alex Cora, who's just so honest, said, man, I'm so glad we're done with those guys. Really? Because they really know how to take a big league at bat. And he's talking about one through nine, how relentless that lineup could be, which we all knew starting the season, this team can hit. But I didn't think they could pitch out of their, out of their starting rotation close enough to be even a 500 team. And, man, have they surprised me so far. Well, uh, Jed Lowry, I'm not sure we knew we were going to get this out of him. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it is, it's kind of fun. Uh, for several, I think because they're stuck in that dump. I mean, one of the most amazing things in American sports is the only stadium to have both an NFL and a major league baseball team is the worst stadium in sports, the Oakland Coliseum. Right. <laughs> It's absolutely amazing, and unfortunately that team is just not going to move forward at the rate of speed it needs to playing in that ballpark. And fortunately it looks like at least there's some traction, some progress to getting them a new stadium, even if it's in Oakland. They just got to build a new one. They just can't have one where sewage seeps into the dugout (laughs) in the middle of the game. Well, that was my first thought when I had 56,000. Did they ban people from going to the bathroom or what? (laughs) Because that that whole place could explode at any moment. It's unbelievable. Right. Well, I think I told you, Pat, that that Raul Abanez told me when he was a visiting player there a few times, more than once, they had to shower 
with the other team <laughs> after a game because their shower system wasn't working in their clubhouse. I've never heard of that. That only happens in Oakland, and that's something that just has to stop if they're ever going to be a truly quality organization from top to bottom. Tim Gertrude with us. A couple more questions. You don't see the wheels come off in St. Louis too often, but uh, that's, that's uh, suddenly that's an organization that appears to be in chaos. Yeah, and it's so unusual for that to happen. It's so unusual to fire the manager midseason in St. Louis, and mostly it's so unusual to see how angry and frustrated those Cardinal fans are. Yes. I love the Cardinal fans. I really believe they're as sophisticated and classy a group of fans as I've ever seen. And yet, with this going to be three years in a row not making the playoffs, they are really impatient with this club for some reason. I think it helped. Uh, Mike Matheny didn't deserve to be fired, but the, the fans were on him all the time. And I think it's a step in the right direction that at least they've got the fans off the organization's back. Now they got to start winning, and they're in trouble. They're in fourth place in that division, Pat. Oh, yeah. And I'm sorry. Behind the, surging, behind the surging pirates. Pat, the pirates were, were they won 11 in a row. <laughs> they were going to sell a bunch of players. Now they've had to change direction. They may have to buy some players. For the stretch run, because they're back in it. Another reminder, Pat, why baseball is so great. That even in the middle of the season, we were not sure about teams. We were, we've been so wrong about the Pirates over the last three weeks. Yeah. And we don't even know the difference. Now, one last great. question. Is Davey Martinez going to be a one and done in Washington? I'll tell you, Pat, I wouldn't, I can't imagine that. That just doesn't make sense with all the injuries. But look, they are two games under 500. And I was positive, positive that they would come flying out of the box to start the second half. Instead, they've lost three out of four. They had two pitchers go at it, two of their best pitchers go at it in the club, in the dugout during a game. They benched their shortstop for a game for not hustling, and they lost in a terrible way at least once. I just don't understand it. I understand injuries, but the, the second half was supposed to be different, and it hasn't been different at all. And eventually they're going to point to the manager on this. All righty, uh, Speedy, thanks for your time here, sir. Uh, Tim, we, we were very <laughs> proud of you scoring that run. That was that was oh. blazing speed. Buxton's well. jealous. <laughs> I wouldn't call Blaze. Andre Dawson, a Hall of Famer, hit it. I felt the obligation to get him another RBI. He that's, might need it. That's good. Thanks, Tim. Okay, Pat. See you. All right, the great Tim Kirchner. Uh, we talk to him every other week.